Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Absolutely. So happy Tuesday, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the last week in mortgage today where we roll through the week that was in the mortgage industry. Looking to really recap uh, all the most pertinent things that have happened in the industry uh, for our members and listeners and viewers. And each week, I am pleased to have one of our lender members join me as my co-host and who a person that's got to be the record holder for most last week in uh, Mortgage Today co-host slots. Uh, good friend, great industry leader, the president of Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, Jody Hall. Jody, great to see you. <laughs> good to see you too. Long time no see. I, I feel like this last week, though, has been a little less of a news cycle than some of my past appearances where I felt like we were creating news uh, so that we could try to unwind it on the Tuesday following. <laughs> I have to admit, every time you co-host last week at Mortgage, there's some massive news that breaks. So I have to admit, last Friday, you know, everybody wants to release news on Fridays going into holiday mm-hmm. weekend, so it gets buried. Yep. I was just completely expecting something just horrible for our industry, yep. but thank God yep. we didn't get it and not, nothing yep overtly negative uh, and new to speak about uh, this week so for sure i think the biggest uh i think the biggest update last week is i think a lot of the uh of our vendors uh released updates um rolling over from the end of august to the first of september causing all kinds of issues like equifax not running credit it seemed like a lot of the vendors that we use there were uh there were breakdowns, but it quickly recovered. So relatively uneventful. Definitely one thing I don't miss from being in the lender seat directly on a day-to-day basis, those system updates and end of the month madness. How has that been though, in general? Like, you know, I know, you know, when Encompass was quickly growing and quickly growing market share, they were needing to make lots of updates to their Mm -hmm. system that were causing varying levels of pain across the member base. How has that, that issue been just in general, more broadly the last year or two? I don't think that, I mean, I don't think that there has been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of disruption when updates are going into place. Maybe we got a little bit better with the technology. Maybe also we um, <laughs> we started to expect it to be so horrific that if there's only one glitch that uh, we feel like it was uneventful. So I think part of it is just uh, we've we have come to expect things. Uh, so when they're not as awful, they seem better. So I think that's part of it. And I just think that companies in general have become much better at releases, both on the vendor side and also on the lender side um, of reading what things are going to change and what the impacts could potentially be. And then having the team prepared to dive in and, and fix things if they do break. So I haven't really noticed it that much in the last couple of years, um, any major disruption. Thanks for the feedback. And as you noted, kind of a slow, big news week. The last week, some things uh, looking forward to getting into with you. You know, I think the biggest narrative, it just continues to kind of be the rate climate and everything going on with the Federal Reserve and interest rate policy. It's dominating a lot of the talk and the headlines in our industry mm-hmm. for all the obvious reasons. Got a big jobs report last Friday. It was actually the jobs report that that people that want the markets to do better wanted, mm-hmm. like the, yep. you know, oh, not bad, but not like popping white hot jobs report. 
stocks get out of the gate quick, bonds get out of the gate quick, they're both rallying, and then it kind of fizzles off. And into this week, no better. And it's, I think it's the, the, what I read in a column that I uh, read this morning was the, the way that the markets are kind of viewing, the investors are viewing the market right now is like hope for the best, but expect the worst. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing right now at the bond market. The news and the numbers these last few weeks have been positive for inflation. Yep. Yet we've seen rates and bonds sell off. And it's, I think, just that fear factor that's kind of lingering out there. Yeah, we've been talking about this all year, and I think it's an emotional reaction, right? Like It's not a predictive reaction to what markets will do. Um, there's this emotional component, and I think it's largely due to the cycles seem to be faster because we get information more that's more readily available, constantly getting the alerts on your phone, on your computer about what's happening in the markets. And I think it causes a, more of a... Uh, emotional reaction, which is kind of spiked. And I think that that's what we're seeing again. We saw it before the last uh, rate hike. And I think largely, <laughs> it's funny, weren't you talking about a soft landing on Friday? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so much for that. Gosh. Yeah, like you, yeah, you yeah. can't predict anything, like nothing makes sense. Um, so I, I think it's just an emotional reaction. I think everything will settle back down. It really is. I mean, markets trade off expectations and emotions if it's the stock market or the bond mm -hmm. market that determines uh, interest rates in general. But um, right now, even more so, you know, because of how hot inflation has gotten and it's, you know, it has impacted our economy, but like not as bad as not as badly impacted consumer spending and mm -hmm. as a a related result jobs in america is nearly as bad as anybody had expected but i think people are kind of hoping that <laughs> what lies ahead is not what people thought might have yeah. come already yeah it's interesting um we were exchange as we were exchanging information a day i mean if the jobs market is the only thing that is keeping us from being in a recession if you live your life with mortgage in mortgage goggles it's really hard to believe that that there isn't job loss and we aren't in a recession i mean it's crazy that to see just on a daily basis the number of lenders that are closing up shop or you know laying off laying off thousands of people, so it's um, definitely the the tale of industries right now, and it sure does feel like we're in a recession if you just look through it as the eyes of, of a mortgage lender. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski this week, joined by the president of Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, Jody Hall. Any questions, comments, thoughts, anybody uh, in our live audience has, please feel free to incorporate them into the chat and the Q&A, and uh, we will incorporate it into the show. And if you're listening on podcast with the majority of you listen, just a reminder, join our live broadcast on Zoom every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. You go to mortgagecollaborative.com. You can register for that live version. And the Jody, one of the columns we were kind of going back and forth and discussing uh, was a piece that was put out this weekend by the New York Times. And uh, it was a really interesting piece that uh, it, it spoke to instances of three, three or four different affordable housing related developments in the state of Connecticut. The column uh, goes on to, you know, kind of paint the picture that these instances in Connecticut could be a bellwether for 
um, things we'll be hearing and seeing more broadly across the country for the rest of the year. And it was it was typical tales we've talked about on this show and others. Uh, you know, one one instance where the people in Fairfield, Connecticut, about twenty five hundred residents, you know, got together, signed an online peti- petition not to rezone to put affordable housing units in their town. Uh, another town in Connecticut where a major developer pulled out of a major affordable housing project because of a lot of public pressure and a legal lawsuit that had been going on for years and years. And then in a third town, a civil rights lawsuit, again, in Connecticut, um, the people that brought the suit alleging that the zoning and housing, um, you know, laws in their municipality is is racist and, uh, you know, really disadvantageous to minorities. So, um, you know, it's some interesting things that are starting to happen. And we've talked about this before. The Biden administration is part of their affordable housing supply plan. Smartly, they dangled out some Department of Transportation dollars, like basically said, hey, if you rezone your municipality to allow for more affordable housing units, um, you'll be prioritized on ODOT dollars. I think we're starting to see that happen now because you're starting to hear more of these stories pop up about the real world implications of trying to get it through. Right. Yeah, we d- we talked about this, I believe, earlier in the year about, you know, people want to see, you know, in theory, they want affordable housing for all Americans. But when it comes down to your, you know, some communities that are not going, they're going to do whatever they can because it's like fine to have affordable housing as long as it doesn't impact me. You know, what is that going to do to the value of my home? What is that going to do to the community that we live in? And there is this negative stigma that is causing, you know, people to want there to be affordable housing, but not within their markets. And I think that we'll continue to see, we'll continue to see more of that. I think the answer is we just have to build more homes. We need supply chains to open up, whether that's that we, you know, completely take off any tariffs on import of softwoods from Canada, whatever it may be to make and incentivize builders to want to build homes that are less than four or $500,000 homes. And then we have, and then we have to solve it on the lending side too, so that more, more Americans qualify for home mortgages. Um, Because I think that we're going to continue to see that play out across the United States where it's going to be, yeah, affordable housing, as long as it isn't going to impact me. It's tough. You summarize it very well. I, I have nothing to add there. I, I you know, I, and I think they're trying to do some things now that are in good spirit to help with the affordable housing issue in America. But the, just the predictable headwinds that we we kind of talked about when these things were announced, I, you know, I, I don't see any way this the whole inventory and affordable. I think you know, I, and I get it. They don't want to like incent builders heavily to build homes that are. I, I don't see another like. Ultimately, I think you got to get there. The experts say, unless unless the U.S. government wants to get into the home construction business, we've seen that proposed. I, I've read columns on that multiple. Yeah. Um, but I, you could argue that if, if nothing is done about the, the housing inventory issue in America, especially at the lower end, that the government could be forced to do that eventually. We don't want that to happen. Um, but it's just a really, it's a very nuanced issue, and we talk about it almost every week. And you know, we we, we have some ideas. We feel like would work from those of us in the industry, yep. but it's yep. the getting it done part and the the DC part. Yep, for sure. And it seems like, you know, we, we, one of the things that came through uh, Fannie Mae now you can create your own down payment assistance program, but 
to do that on an independent mortgage bankers side of it requires so much compliance and oversight and, and teams that, that when you're in a crunching market that you don't have access to. Uh, so it takes longer to for us to make that come to fruition for clients. Uh, so I don't, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, you know, I, it's what you can control and what we can control is independent mortgage bankers is looking for ways to create uh, affordable home loans uh, for borrowers and hope that the inventory kind of uh, comes back. It, we do, at least we have seen a decrease in home prices and um, there are many more homes that are uh, being purchased at or below what the asking price is, which is, is a change. So maybe some of our home buyers will start qualifying, but as interest rates continue to go up and every other price we were talking about, um, disaster insurance, um, but for the cost of homes, like the cost of everything is going up. So, and we don't see it impacting the higher income. Did you see Lululemon is like $314 a share? So, I mean, that's, that's indicative of, you know, the, the, the richer, the richer Americans are still spending. Uh, and I think that we feel less of an effect because it's not impacting near recession is not impacting and inflation is not impacting a hundred percent of Americans. And so it's, uh, it's interesting times that we live in. So true. So well said. I think you're so right that the reason that I think the country is more like right now, it you have people very divided, people that are paid to have opinions on things like this. Are we in a recession, headed to a recession? Like, yes, no, maybe. Um, it, it There's more division on that, more so, at least to me, than in other times like this where there's been question. Because you're right. I think people to high end, like there are people doing well that are like recession. Well, like I'm doing great. Like I, you know, like that, that component, but at the low end, especially related to inflation is really, really starting to impact people at the low end. Mm -hmm. You kind of hinted on this, you know, and yes. In, so if you're, you know, a young person that wants to buy a home, you're already limited on the inventory side. Rates are high values are, you know, up. And, but then there's also, the stuff that it takes to own a home, taxes, right. insurance, taking care of the lawn, fixing crap, the brakes, yep. it, like the cost of all that is up too, in addition to yep. the barrier to get in the home from an affordability standpoint. Yeah, for sure. Uh, with Danielle uh, turning into a hurricane as opposed to a tropical storm, um, there was uh, there over the weekend, there was a lot of information on the rising disaster insurance prices and on average is 12.1% increase in disaster insurance over what it was last year. And with that being significantly higher in areas like Miami that, you know, four to $5,000 more this year for flood insurance than flood insurance last year. And, you know, who can afford seven to $800 more per month just for disaster insurance. So I'm using it to drive up home values in the Midwest and we don't, have to worry about hurricanes, you know, a random tornado here and there, not a lot of wildfires, uh, definitely not going to have any wildfires after the three days of uh, rain over the Labor Day weekend in Ohio. But, you know, all joking aside, it's like there, um, 
I threw a, I sent this to you and definitely interesting. It's called riskfactor.com where home buyers, potential home buyers in areas can look at the risk factor, risk factor. So Brexville, Ohio, one out of 10 on the risk factor for, for disaster. So um, the Midwest is where it's at. It's well, you know, we've, we've seen some, some geographical shifts due to the pandemic. And now you're starting to see the stories on the other end, like, you know, again, the sensationalistic uh, headline people like, Oh, now that housing market is crashing. Home values up 15% year over year, crashing in the housing market. <laughs> like, these are the city, yeah, you know, so you're starting to see, you're starting to see some of that stuff. But going back to the insurance piece, you talk about like hidden taxes and, and costs of home ownership. That's a huge one. I think you mentioned, you know, disaster insurance was up 12% year over year. I got a buddy in that insurance field and uh, he he says, uh, he told me the same thing recently. He said, I'll tell you what, he's like, in all homeowners insurance prices are going like I'm watching them go up yeah. almost daily and for sure weekly as I'm yeah. quoting them out to people. Um, so and another aspect, inflation related uh, housing costs. Yep. Yeah. And uh, last year was the highest number of disaster uh, claims since 2017, which was Hurricane Irma, um, Harvey and one other. Uh, so definitely uh, it's impacting all of us because it's being also spread out for those who aren't in disaster areas as well. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. This week joined by the president of Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, Jody Hall. Jody, you alluded to this earlier in the show, but a positive report from Realtor.com last week on just the home listing prices in general. Dropped from 449 on average nationally in July to 435,000. A pretty big jump. The most significant, it was the most significant. Okay. Things are starting to kind of flatten out. And uh, I see, you know, some, some promise on the horizon number, at least for me that I had seen uh, in a while. You also mentioned, you alluded to it as well. We also had 20% of listings in July drop the price. That was the biggest number from a percentage standpoint in a while. So some some positive signs as it relates to things starting to get more normal on, on just the, yeah. the supply and demand side. The bubble is definitely not bursting, but um, definitely, you know, helps the emotion of the home buyer. Um, but that too, when you have that positive when you have those positive outlooks you also put more home buyers like well maybe i should look again maybe i should come off of of the bench so i still think that our supply is going to fall well short of what the demand does we generally see uh, housing slow a little bit uh, around the time that uh, kids go back to school um, we might get a little bit of a you know a run into the winter and then we see it start to come back down so I learned something last week um, did you know that um, February is a good time to um, sell your home in Cleveland because of pent-up demand over the winter really I did not I thought it was May but I had a I had yeah. a realtor uh, tell me that and I was like well then maybe I'll leave my house. I'll wait and put my house on the market in into January. I, February is we can both test in Cleveland. You're, you're so ready to be like, ready for anything. Maybe, yeah. maybe pent up demand to buy in Florida or South Carolina. Oh, too funny. I should have fact, I should have fact checked her. 
you joked about this, the housing bubble people. Remember like nine, 10 months ago, all the housing bubble, oh, we're headed towards a bubble. If you would have told the bubble people 10 months ago that 30 year fixed rates were going to be like six and a half um, and that home value still would be, you know, going up yeah. until August that, you know, they, they would have said, oh, the bubble is on for sure. But every home, it doesn't matter what the rate, like every, also in that realtor.com report, average home still sold in 14 days (laughs) (laughs) homes that are being listed are selling and there's some flawed homes that are in that mix i mean it's not you know that's the average yeah they miss that whole um demand versus supply point um in housing and it's you know there aren't enough homes that's the bottom line so it is people aren't just going to stop looking uh, to purchase homes, especially when we've continued to see rent wars, like what the heck, who gets over what they ask for, uh, for a rent price. Um, so we continue to see that, that increase in demand, demand. Really putting on a squeeze on people that need to find housing. Um, you know, people that are lucky, they can do something temporary or, you know, are already in a good situation. But every single day, there's just tens of thousands of Americans that have a new need that arises for housing. A lot of them affordable, and uh, yeah, just not a lot of not a lot of solutions for for those Americans right now. Nor nor help on the horizon. So uh, one of the parts of the overall solution could be, we talked about a little bit this, a little talked about this a little bit on the rundown last Friday, but uh, the federal home loan bank system in America, FHFA, also they, we know they oversee Fannie and Freddie. We talk about it ad nauseum. They also oversee the federal home loan bank system. In a nutshell, it's I think 13 different federal home loan banks across mm-hmm. America that operate independently, but under the kind of same umbrella. Um, it currently really only provides solutions for like community banks, typically smaller, medium-sized community banks. Um, but uh, FHFA announces uh, they had just started a comprehensive review of the federal home loan bank system, something CNDT had alluded to uh, early in her term. Uh, sounds like they're getting to it. nothing but a good thing. We know Sandra Thompson from getting a chance to speak with her a bunch of times. She cares her ear is to the ground. She's trying to do the best she can in, uh, you know, in a very tough situation. So uh, your thoughts on, on that news last week? I think they're doing what we as lenders are doing, right? We're putting more tools. We're giving people more tools in the tool belt. So I think that this gives us an opportunity as an independent mortgage banker to be have more tools and have to have more selling options. Um, so yeah, I do believe that it is positive. Um, and I think that, I mean, that's really all of our way out, right? Even if it's nothing more than that um, psychological uh, light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel that, you know, we can keep everyone positive and moving forward. We do the same thing with our loan officers on a daily basis. And I didn't know in well, I won't tell you what year I graduated from college, but I didn't know then that my psychology degree was going to come in so handy. Um, Little did you know how much you'd be using that degree as you got into finance. You probably thought at the beginning, what a waste of all those years of psych classes. And now it's it's likely your most uh, valued uh, schooling. So yeah, for sure. But I, you know, I think that more than anything, it's just, you know, positive to, to give us more tools as lenders. 
Awesome, awesome. And uh, there's a federal home loan bank in Chicago where TMC will be in about two and a half weeks for upcoming conference. And uh, as one of our uh, fan favorites in the network, tapped on you, Jody, to interview. Got a very special keynote, Susan Schur, who is a very deep-rooted Chicago politician. We all know the stories of Chicago politics. She uh, was the controller uh, financially for the city for a bunch of years and was a top advisor to the Obama administration, served as Michelle's a chief of staff for some years and uh, really excited to get her inside look at uh, what life in the White House is like and just some inside baseball and Chicago politics. So thank you once again for agreeing to interview her. I'm excited. I appreciate the appreciate the opportunity. I think in reading her career, it's been a storied career, but at the same time, it doesn't look like she's done yet. Um, Still very young and has a lot more to give and it's excited to see where her career is going to continue to go to go so i look forward to talking to her and and learning from her very cool and uh, yeah now tuesday morning she's going to lead a new presentation that uh, chris herbert from the harvard joint center of housing is going to give on some of the demographic changes uh, housing in america and a panel on inventory in america so an exciting <laughs> tuesday morning at tmc chicago coming up here in two and a half weeks so um, got a few minutes left, Jody. Obviously, we've seen a lot of consolidation in the industry this year. No, no surprise there. And feels like it's really happening on the broker and the wholesale side, even more so than kind of the banker, the banker yeah. side and you know, the, the Michigan trio of, of wholesale lenders that sits one, two, and three, uh, UWM and Home Point Rocket, just all really aggressive in different ways and yep. uh, trying to grow market share. It's been, you know, just down the road from us, uh, stayed over, but it's been been interesting theater this last year and a half. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's like they're buying the market, waiting for those interest rates to drop to have the next big boom. And the question is, when it, how quickly is that going to come and who can survive until then? And I think that we're seeing a lot of the smaller wholesale lenders aren't going to be able to, to hang on until they do have that, that boom. So I think that we're going to continue to see a lot more people just throwing in the towel. Um, I was talking to another industry veteran this morning and we were talking about, you know, some of the, um, the uh, independent mortgage banks that have single owners or aging owners, and they've taken money out of the company. And in order to keep the company afloat, they have to put the money back in, but they're at that age, like, well, if I do that, why don't I, I just retire? So I think that we're going to continue to see it on the lender side as well. Um, people just saying, you know, at, you know, people that were thinking the beginning of the year that they're going to sell it, the conversations look more like just take my company and keep my employees. So, and I'm, I'm hanging up the towel. So it is interesting what is going on and in whose position to continue to grow market share on the lender side as well as the, as the wholesale side, but definitely very interesting times. And, you know, going into the pandemic, we all said that we wish we would have focused on our technology and been able to handle more of the business without having to ramp up hiring so quickly, it's going to happen again. So I think the the survival is going to be those who are able to deploy the technology the fastest and most efficient to be able to handle handle the next wave and set themselves up to be sustainable where they don't constantly have to grow and let go, grow and let go. 
Incredibly well said and a great way to take us home. Some words of wisdom from uh, one of our mm-hmm. favorites, uh, President Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, Jody Hall. Jody, looking forward to seeing you in a couple mm-hmm. weeks in Chicago. And uh, thank you so much uh, for agreeing to co-host the last week in mortgage today again this week. For sure. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll have a few cocktails and a few pies. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Without a doubt. And uh, to our attendees, thanks as always for taking 30 minutes of your week out with us. Uh, The goal is to make this savings of your time each week to kind of keep you plugged in on on the things kind of going on outside your silo. So we appreciate uh, your attendance. So uh, as always, we'll be back every Tuesday live 2 p.m. Eastern with the last week in mortgage today and on podcast and on TMC Connect where you find us there and on YouTube. So until next Tuesday, have a great rest of the week, everyone. Thanks again, Jody. Thanks, Rich. See you. Go bye. bye. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.